0: To study air pollution, sometimes you have to go to some really weird places. (laughs) So those are the cars. Daniel Tachik is standing inside the Fort Pitt tunnel in Pittsburgh. We're actually one floor above I-376, which courses through the tunnel. We're peering down at the highway through these narrow ventilation slots. And yeah, I'm pretty sure the slot's big enough for me to fall through. And I'll get really close to the exit of the tunnel. Oh boy, like right there. A semi just drove by and it was like three feet from our heads. This strange place is Tachik's temporary laboratory. He's a graduate student at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. He wants to know not just what's in the exhaust, but what it'll look like in a few days. He runs the exhaust through a machine that's like one of those software programs that tells you what you'll look like in the future. We're taking these particles and we're aging them. We're aging them by four days. So four days is a pretty significant chunk of its life. It's like we're catching at it, it like in its mid-20s, maybe. For a long time, scientists thought that the soot coming out of a tailpipe was basically unchanged from the time it was created inside an engine to the time that we breathed it in. But in the last few decades, they found that soot and other small particles change pretty radically while they're in the air. Harvey Jeffries is a retired chemist at the University of North Carolina who studied these particles. They're really teeny, fine particles. He says for decades, scientists have known that the smallest of these particles were the worst for us, probably because they could slip through our natural defense systems and end up deep in our lungs. So they started studying them, and what they found was unexpected. The mass of these things changed over time, and in fact, you gained mass. These tiny particles got bigger after spending a few days in the atmosphere, and there was more. But they began to find it was gooey. It was sticky. That's right. The particles were growing and getting gooey. Uh, And as they examined it more and more, they began to figure out, this is a kind of complicated organic soup. What was happening? In a word, oxygen. It makes up about 20% of our atmosphere, and a lot of times this oxygen forms something called a hydroxyl radical. What's this? It's basically a water molecule that's missing one hydrogen atom, so it's really jonesing for an extra hydrogen. It turns out the atmosphere has lots of hydrogen available, attached to molecules that are just sort of hanging around. And a lot of times these molecules come from stuff that we create, like exhaust from buses and cars, weed whackers, and those fumes from spray paint cans. With the help of a little sunlight, the hydroxyl radical can go to work on these molecules, says Carnegie Mellon's Neil Donahue, an atmospheric chemist. It's, it's just ravenous. So it sees all these hydrogens on, the, on these very big molecules, and it just starts ripping them off here, there, and everywhere. And when it does that, it makes a new substance that's heavier and goopier. This new substance has a name, it's called secondary organic aerosol. And it wants to condense, much like how steam from a shower condenses onto a bathroom mirror. Instead of a mirror, it uses particles in the air, like a piece of soot. This process happens quickly. After a few days, there can be hundreds of thousands of different chemical compounds stuck to a particle, many of them made by humans. But in recent years, scientists have found one surprising source for the goop that hangs onto particles. What we're going to do is is we're going to... Open a bottle of alpha-pinene. So this is the material that's coming out of pine trees. Rich Kamens is a professor of environmental science at the University of North Carolina. He's outside a small lab demonstrating how trees, yeah, trees, contribute to particle pollution. In his hand is a small bottle of clear liquid. Now, you can't smell this on the radio, but trust me, the bottle gives off that pine tree smell. It's actually a liquid version of a gas that the trees emit into the atmosphere. Caymans has a drop of the pine tree liquid placed in a chamber in a small greenhouse. Then he runs a souped up hair dryer over it to simulate what would happen to the tree's chemicals in the sun. Under the right conditions, the pine tree chemical will stick onto a piece of soot or even make new particles of its own. And that's exactly what Kamens sees when he looks at a screen to see how many particles have been created. We're seeing this initial burst of particles in the very, very smallest sizes. Now, all of the sizes that we're measuring, uh, especially the ones uh, above 100 nanometers, are going to penetrate deep into our lungs. So does that mean trees are big sources of air pollution? Cayman says, not exactly. Before people, the atmosphere was fine. But when tree emissions combine with human-made sources, like from burning fossil fuels... That's when you get a problem. The longer these particles stay in the air, the more pollution they pick up. Here's Harvey Jeffries again. So the particle is not itself such a toxin as it is, in our view, a carrier of toxicity. And that toxicity is being created in the atmosphere. The atmosphere itself is dirty. Scientists want to know what's the best way to keep it clean. They think by doing this, we can prevent the particles already in the atmosphere from becoming worse for us by the time we breathe them in. Maybe someday soon, the second life of a soot particle won't be so secret anymore. I'm Reed Frazier.